0: Housing is a fundamental human need. Constructing that housing is often a complex undertaking that requires understanding, patience, skill, and foresight. Developing affordable housing can be challenging for sure, but the reward can truly change people's lives. And for that, it's totally worth it. Let us explore that journey with the people doing that work. This is the Housing Development Practitioner's View podcast. Let's meet today's guest.
1: Hello, uh, my name is Pat Costigan. These days I um, hang my hat uh, on the RAD Collaborative hat post, uh, which the collaborative was founded back in 2015 to generate a community of practice around the implementation of RAD and conversion of public housing to the uh, Section 8 platform.
2: Hi, I'm Greg Byrne. I uh am the director of the affordable housing transaction division uh, inside the office of recapitalization. The office of recapitalization is in the office of multifamily housing at HUD and uh, my role was to oversee all the transactions under the rental assistance demonstration program.
0: From your perspective, what are you seeing with RAD in practice
1: today? My observations through the RAD collaborative, uh, which HAI has been an enormous supporter of. Thank you for helping with all that. But our work on the outside, which is to build a community of practice around RAD, our observations would be today that um, there's been a lot of work done to help with that delta. You know, that constant issue of I am not getting what the guy down the street on the multifamily development is getting with the blends. Um, with other factors in real estate life, like interest rates, um I think you know it's an extraordinary opportunity that you know the equilibration of that kind of we are not getting what the guy down the street is getting is eh, you could pretty much you, you're getting pretty close on that. That is not so much an issue. So I think it's great with the 2020 rad rents that were announced. Uh, generally, they're across the board they're going to be boosted from where they were before there's a number of factors that influence that interest rates are so low so if you're going to borrow directly from a bank or you're going to go to the bond market you're going to get much better interest rates that are going to give you again in your operating pro forma great he's going to be thrilled he's going to see cash flow you got that and then on the capital side we stop and we think about um the, you know, new 4% tax credit floor, which establishes the 4% credit at a little higher level, fills in some of the gaps on the capital side. Then you have Greg and HUD saying, well, we'll let you kind of look at maybe section 18 makes more sense, RAD makes more sense. Well, let you compare that no harm, no file. you tell us, then you go, that kind of flexibility. Um, you know, I just think today the, um, outside external factors be they financing be they markets interest rates tax credit pricing uh, they're just extraordinary and i think it's it's a, a great opportunity not just to do a deal but as greg and his team has been laboring is to get housing authorities to think about their whole portfolio get it converted now do your planning do your sequencing do your development just like any other real estate owner developer manager i think it's um i've been involved now with rad from the beginning and on the outside so we're at 10 years greg it's, it's hard to imagine that but it was in um 2012 like, was it? yeah it was 2011 november of 2011 that the uh, initial RAD authority was passed so we're looking at 10 years i've not seen any better set of opportunities for public housing authorities to you know kind of take it and go so that's that's where i think we are today greg i'm sure you have some other
2: thoughts yeah, about it. i always go back to a phrase that pat used which which was sort of proof of concept right we we wanted to show to people that if you convert public housing to section 8 that it that it works it can it can preserve and leverage capital and stuff so um without doubt we the program has proved that right there's you know 140,000 units have converted and whatnot and and um and in fact, you could say, you know over the last, particularly over the last year when Pat, Pat used the term the blends. So HUD has come out with a notice recently that that of ways of combining rad with section eighteen, and we call those blends. And why is that important? And that's because section eighteen, when you remove units through section eighteen, HUD issues a Section 8 voucher, and because those voucher rents are typically higher than public housing rents, when you blend the RAD RAD units and Section 18 units in one transaction, you have higher, you know, uh, gross potential rents, and therefore you can leverage more. And so, in my view, it's like to me the handwriting is on the wall. It's clear that section eight is a better platform for the preservation of of these public housing assets. Uh, To me, it's really a function now of (laughs) how long does it take to run the table? And uh, we've been able to do unbelievable what PHAs have done for the first 140,000 units. But in order to convert, you know, at some point the vast majority of the stock uh, is gonna need more gas in the tank. The, the framework and the model is the right model, Section 8. It's just that at some point, you know, uh, the ability for PHAs to only uh, convert at current funding is uh, 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 is a limit to that. And some PHAs have been incredibly creative in still taking rents on the public housing program that were only modest and doing a ton of work, but that's because they, whatever, might've been able to have some unobligated capital funds they threw into the deal, or they got some uh, special CDBG grants locally, or they went out and got some uh, other sources of funds, and so, and good for them, uh, but uh, uh, the next sort of wave of things is how do you, uh, yes, Section 8 seems to be the right direction, uh, now is uh how do you provide more funding under that platform to be able to deal with particularly the most distressed of the public housing and and there's still uh, well I'm not quite precise on the number you know there's still a couple hundred thousand public housing units out there that were built uh in the uh 40s and 50s and um that those projects need a ton of work. And uh, just- Stop the rather- and
1: think about that for a minute. Just stop and think, I mean, what Greg just said, I think of them as as uh, legacy dead weights yeah. that public housing authorities have to carry around that no other real estate owner has to carry around. Properties that are 50, 60, 70 years old. And we should just be saying as a society, as HUD, as Congress, Enough of that. Those need to be torn down and replaced. If we care about providing housing for those that just don't have the economic
2: means to afford the housing the rest of us live in. When that dead weight is redeveloped, it should be redeveloped with section eight. It's just like it's where how it should be done. And and no one should feel, you know, uh bad about feel great about But section eight's a better program for for um uh financing affordable housing and preserving it and it's just a matter of that those legacy projects um, the current public housing funding which we call the rad rents is is only going to get you so far it's not going to redevelop those you know uh, so we need something at at rent levels that are higher than the public housing funding today uh, in order to help facilitate the redevelopment of those properties
0: three years from now where do you see rad but underscoring that with we're seeing a sense of optimism with the new administration um for some reason a, a thought that more funding might be coming to to public housing to be used for cap for capital improvements um does that affect rad uh kind of what are your predictions again not too far out but but three years from now what are we what would we be talking about if you guys you know had a crystal ball in front of you
1: i think what we've been saying in the last. 10-15 minutes is we're in a post-rad environment. It's not rad, it's rad plus. That's a yeah. term that the collaborative has, has, has been using now for years. It's, it's, it's basically about using rad where appropriate, using section 18 where appropriate, probably using tax credits in most of those situations where redevelopment is called for. Um, and the ability of public housing authorities to go Play in that world, in that arena, is now, when you stop and think about it, making them the driver in a lot of communities and neighborhoods. They are the ones with the affordable housing subsidies. The most important affordable housing subsidies are the Section 8 contracts that underpin the operating costs. So they're the ones that have these resources. And so I think that they're generating and getting uh, a lot of attention and becoming more than just public housing authorities preserving their stock, they're really integral to the redevelopment of neighborhoods. And I think a lot of the world is beginning to recognize that. So I think um, also there's another uh, resource that uh, HUD has always had in its, in its arsenal, but has been poorly understood and um, owes to a Kind of a bad legacy from a hog farmer but i'll just leave that as it as it was but um we're not allowed to build more public housing authority than when a law was written a while ago greg i don't know when it's called the faircloth amendment which limited the amount of public housing authority that could be built in this country to a certain level So there is a limit, but a lot of housing authorities over the years have had to demolish housing They don't get enough money to keep them up. They have to demolish them. So they have what's called a Faircloth Bank Authority. They can, in other words, bring back the amount of public housing authority that they had from that cutoff point. They can bring back those units. The deal is you got to build them. And then if you build them, HUD will subsidize it but you can't use any HUD money to build them. You got to figure out how to build them and then they become public housing units again. And guess what? If there are public housing units, when they're brought back, they can be RAD units and they can be put on that perpetual Section 8 contract. So that's a huge resource for the future. There's 220,000 units in that Faircloth so-called bank if you will, uh, that housing authorities have the ability to bring back and, 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 and redevelop in, in their communities. That's that new affordable housing and what community in this country is not crying for more affordable housing? Okay, so there's that. The third thing that I think is going on with the new administration, the infrastructure bill, maybe more public housing capital, et cetera, I think is a is a, is a great welcome uh, perspective opportunity. I think we're in a fiscal environment that, mm, Kind of reminds me of the R days where Congress is starting to say, we kind of gave already and it's going to be hard. If it it happens, great. So, you know, 40 billion of public housing, uh, additional funding in the infrastructure bill, great. But, you know, taking 40 billion, plowing it into the conventional housing structure as it is without changing the funding system makes no sense. It doesn't leverage anything it doesn't get to the full range of the really deep capital needs that we've been talking about so i think if there is to be more public housing money that that money really needs to be kind of invested in what's been proven uh, meaning the proof of concept with rad and section 8 conversions and operating public housing authority assets in that way is there so um, uh, my fervent hope is, in the collaborative strong view on this, is that as we uh, might get additional capital funds, that we are able to inject them into the, into the RAD conversion system as we go forward. So those are the three things that I see, and frankly, you do those three things, I think that uh, Malcolm Gladwell will maybe put a chapter in his next book about what HUD did to tip the public housing inventory.
2: Yeah, and, and, and uh, to piggyback on that, uh, yeah, I think over the next couple of years, what you're going to see is just um, a, a large wave of RAD conversions. So uh, the COVID-19 has, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, pushed transactions sort of back a bit. Um, and um, uh, and as all that sort of gets more settled, and if uh, I'm hopeful that there's going to be more um, money in the system, um, over the next few years and the combination of those two, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of rad activity, probably the greatest activity than uh, for any time in the past 10 years.
0: What's yeah. the COVID-19 effect?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, like other sort of uh, industries where you have critical paths, um, once something slows because of a external event or whatever, like COVID-19 you can't just start it right back up. Right. So, so people, housing authorities had to deal with, you know, their staff and the residents and all that stuff. And just that alone, you know, uh, takes them away from the RAD transaction. Uh, but then even if they so sort of were starting to begin, to start up again, the RAD transaction, there's issues of, can I access the units for inspection? Uh, uh, uh um, you know, how, how uh, um uh, how can i undertake some of the other key critical processes so so the combination of those two um has uh, delayed sort of the financing plan submissions for a lot of phas but we're starting to see them um kind of come alive again Uh, but it's still going to take a little little bit before people sort of really uh hit their stride um so uh, now some of the uh, it'll be interesting to see if this, like other sort of emergencies, wh- whether uh, in response to emergencies, something new develops. So for example, a uh, very small scale, the whole technology of um, uh, remote uh, inspections you, using, uh, um, uh, what do you call those things, drones or whatnot, to possibly do a physical inspection like that. But we hadn't even thought about something like that two or three years ago. And, and the industry, like when they couldn't get out, they couldn't travel, uh, started to uh, uh, introduce some sort of novelties like that. Uh, uh, it's fascinating to see where that might go or where other things may go uh, that might help us with uh, uh, moving transactions uh, along, even after COVID, COVID-19. Um, but um, But yeah, so phas uh uh, you know really needed to to ask for financing plan extensions during all this but uh now we're seeing uh uh, much more activity uh than we had you know six eight nine months ago i
1: you know greg is on top of it every day we observe it from the outside all all those things i think are absolutely going on I, i mean there there is a reflection about this that i think we ought to pay attention to so when COVID uh 19 became a pandemic, you know, well over a year ago, um, uh, my wife's in healthcare, by the way. And so you know, the whole thinking about where is it gonna go, what do we need to do to, you know, introduce preventive measures. Stop and think about what housing authorities kind of are were trying to do in that climate. Um so they house disproportionately in this country more of the elderly, more of the you know, disabled more people with underlying health issues, okay? Big deal for COVID-19. And so I remember with uh, my wife early on getting and trying to merge the assisted housing and the public housing, and she works in this mid-Atlantic region and uh, isolating all the public housing complexes, all the assisted housing complexes. And I said, here's the next place you gotta go. We have got to be absolutely focused on, frankly, dealing with this. This is." The conditions are just too, you know, too unfortunately favorable for COVID to spread. So I take my hat off, frankly, to all the housing authorities out there who did pause a little bit on RAD and other development activities, um, as they should have. And the collaborative pull back a little bit, et cetera. All that needed to happen because I do think the housing authorities have done a tremendous job. And I've watched with CLAFA. Who I share office space with, you know, what they've done day in and day out at the industry level to, you know, go to Congress, get the resources to deal with the, you know, kind of measures that need to be taken to keep fundamentally their people safe. Um, And, you know, relatively, I don't think just disproportionately having greater incidence of COVID than other dense environments. So I think we have to keep that in perspective. We're not through that but as greg suggests we have also learned a lot of fundamental things in real estate i mean just to do property maintenance to go in and change the kitchen faucet think about what we've had to do so i think at all levels um housing authorities their partners the industry has really you know kind of taken the necessary steps and hopefully like greg says introduced some new measures that are going to be just more cost effective efficient for everybody going forward but i you know we cannot end a conversation in april of 2021 without pausing and saying wow um, housing authorities did an extraordinary job of, of taking care of their people
0: thanks for listening to today's show and thank you to our guests if you like what you've heard please hit the like button also Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes right to your device.